Hi guys, it's Kara, host of Everyone's Business But Mine. And let's be real, one thing that makes the show possible is by selling sponsorships to advertisers. One way you can support us in getting more sponsors is by telling us a little bit more about yourself. You can do that by filling out a quick survey at the link in the show description. Plus, your answers are anonymous. They'll help us learn what you love most about the show and how to make it even better. The questions will ask you about the things that help advertisers understand the audience. It'll only take a few minutes, and it's an easy way to help the show. So you can find the link in the show description. Thank you so much, and stay tuned for the rest of the show. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Imagine trying to convince the internet that you don't know someone and that someone has a bunch of naked videos and pictures of you. Can you imagine if I was one of those bitches? See, I, you know, I've hated that Selena, whatever girl, for a while because she's so messy, but I get it now. I think I get it now. Welcome back to another episode of Everyone's Business But Mine with me, Kara Berry. You know, our pop culture recap, uh, Kardashians, maybe for the last time, Kimberly, and Winter House recap. Um, This week was fully loaded. Herbie fully loaded, if we do say so myself, as I was also fully loaded yesterday, which is why this episode is a little bit late, Um, you know? A little bit of my business is that I decided to have a Sunday fun day and now I'm, I'm feeling it. I'm feeling it. Do I regret it? No. Does it feel good? No. <laughs> but here we are. Um, we have so much to talk about. We're going to start off on a good, fun note, an incredible note, honestly. Uh, Can I Get a Hell Yeah is going to um, the recently departed Angela Lansbury. Uh, a lot of stories you know as a legend passes these stories come out about them um if they were cool anyway and it seems like angela lansbury was a very cool chick so a story came from uh john waters he's had a book come out in 2019 called mr know-it-all the um tarnished wisdom of a filth elder which is an iconic iconic title so he excuse me in his book talked about how he 
was at this uh, sex club in New York. Um, it used to be in the meatpacking district. It was called the Head, the Hellfire Club. It was a BDSM um, gay club. And he saw Angela Lansbury there. It seems like sometimes in the 80s. He goes, um, Angela was pure class, even 40 years ago when these kind of clubs were all the rage. It may have been the only night she was ever there, but just her presence made Hellfire a little bit more welcoming. It says that, you know, everybody was doing stuff. She wasn't doing anything. He says, Hellfire was a straight gay bar where people had sex. You would be standing there talking about the new novel of Alain Robe Grillet and a penis would come through a glory hole. And then you just move down to a different location. So, yeah, he said that she was like a really cool chick, you know, she, not bothering anybody, just taking in the scene. And I appreciate that. That's a hell yeah for me. A little bit of pop culture history around the Hellfire Club. Obviously, as you guys know, it's like the name of the Dungeons and Dragons uh, consort. I don't know what you call it. Uh, group team. I don't know. On uh, Stranger Things. But also, if you guys are a fan of Pose, Electra worked at the Hellfire Club in, I think, season two. That was the sex club that she worked at. So Electra, honestly, should be a patron of patron saint of this podcast. I'm going to I'm going to call it now. Electra Abundance. Um, we love you. And we speak your name. We speak your name. You guys, if you haven't seen Pose, bitch, what are you doing? What are you doing? That show was so good. So, so good. Um, Anyway, let's get into more of the drama. Our girl of the week, Kimberly Doherty Plath, matriarch on uh, Welcome to Plathville. Baby, we're going to have a talking to about your behavior, aren't we? Mm -mm -mm. So shout out to my friend, Jessie. She DMs me a um, mugshot. A screenshot of a mugshot and a booking, all the booking information from Kim Plath that happened on, um, gosh, was this Friday? No, it was Thursday. So Thursday morning, uh, Kim had gotten booked into the Wakula County uh, Sheriff's Department. And I had to, yes, I had to download the app. Like, I don't like to just take things is not that I didn't believe it, but I just don't like to take things without like seeing it with my own eyes. I had to download this sheriff's department app <laughs> from Okula County, Florida in able to, in order to confirm this information. And there I see it. Our toe headed beauty. Unbelievable. With charges for a DUI, so everybody think is thinking, obviously, that this is something that happened on Thursday. Like, she got caught up. They caught her. No. The true tea is that she turned herself in on previous charges from a June car accident DUI situation. So according to the police report, um, back in June, police found Kim's car upside down in a ditch filled with water. They say that she was visibly intoxicated, smelled of alcohol, and was like they could smell it on her breath. And so they took her to a nearby hospital. She had injuries. She had her injuries treated. So they hit her with, this is June 10th, careless driving, but they couldn't stick her on the DUI until they got their blood test results back, which they did in September. So... This happened on, they gave, they put an or, a warrant for her arrest for the DUI on September 8th, according to court records. And she was served on, 
she wasn't served until like six weeks later on October 20th. So she decided to turn herself in that same day and then was released. Um, she was also charged with property damage and personal injury. So this is wild. This is really wild. Uh, for what it's worth, a couple of you guys were asking me, are they officially divorced? Are Kim and Barry officially divorced? I don't know. What I do know is that this DUI incident happened in June 10th and they announced their divorce on June 28th. So, I mean, who's to say whether that has anything to do? I mean, Kim made herself very clear that she did not like that Skeletor anymore. So uh, I don't know. I don't know. This is really wild. It's sad. It's really dark. I just figured in my mind, like maybe she had, I don't know, one too many sex on the beaches and was like swerving or something, but she really like really could have died. Like obviously when you get behind the wheel um, intoxicated, it's anybody's guess what could happen to your safety or the safety of people around you. But like upside down in a ditch filled with water, like she's lucky people found her. And like, this is like where, I mean, I don't want to talk shit. Well, I do want to talk shit about Florida, but like this for my understanding is like kind of between Panama city and like Orlando, I think, or, or Jacksonville. I don't know. It was kind of in that area, but you know, this is not like, you know, like Florida's kind of like LA or California. Like if you're not in LA or San Francisco, everything's just kind of like whatever to people that don't live there. So I think this is like a, quite a small town. Like it's very likely that like she could have been in that ditch and nobody would have found her until it was too late. That's wild. That's so irresponsible. And um, she's spoken on the show about her mother having substance abuse issues and being an alcoholic. And so this is really dark. And I hope she gets her shit together. Girl, you can't do this, girl. You cannot do this. Poor Lydia. I mean, how stressed out could Lydia be at this point? She has not left that prayer closet. I know. She's not left that prayer closet since um, maybe June. Who's to say? Uh, the, the songs that we're about to get from Lydia about this? Stay tuned. Stay tuned. Let's move on. I've got a new segment, you guys. It's called... The side chick streets. I can't even pronounce it correctly. So this might be the one and only time <laughs> I ever say that. But we're going to get into our side chick segment of the week, uh, starting with just a very quick update um, with respect to Jason, Olivia, Miss Flo, and Jason and Olivia's former nanny. So this nanny did an interview with daily mail in which she let the chopper spray all over. She's posting screenshots of text messages that she had between she and Jason ones between she and Olivia, just about the state of their relationship. And I would, Oh, I think the article got pulled down. Oh, you're going to have to do with some digging for this, but I'm sure you can find it somewhere. Just like look up uh, Jason Sudeikis nanny daily mail article. You'll find it on Reddit or I'm sure, but the very long interview in which she was basically saying, uh, Olivia was cheating with Harry before she broke up with Jason. Jason found out at one point, put his body underneath the car to prevent her from going to Harry. Um, that he had made some like desperate pleas about Olivia doing, uh, making a special dressing, a salad dressing for Harry, uh, that he basically felt like that was our special dressing. And now she's giving it to that whore 
that British whore and I don't appreciate it. Um, Olivia actually dropped the, the salad dressing recipe um, on her Instagram stories and I posted on my Instagram feed. You can see it at everyone's business, but mine, it's basic. It's a basic vinaigrette. I mean, I, I've heard it's good, but it's pretty basic. Um, and yeah, just a lot more stories about uh, conversations about raising the children and how Olivia's like gone all the time and, and he doesn't know what's going on and this, that, and the third, just like very contentious, weird shit in which this nanny seems to have been really looped into all of their business in a way that like she should not have been, <laughs> to say the least. Um, it seems like all parties involved are pretty dramatic. Jason and Olivia actually issued a joint statement against this nanny, and she said they both said that. This has been like an 18 month long campaign that the nanny's been running, trying to like get to them and get to other people to like get attention and be a stunt queen and whatever. But yeah, they have spoken out, which I think honestly, like to many of us probably <laughs> made us feel like, oh, if you guys are coming together, then there's probably some validity to this whole situation, you know? But, uh, so the last gem that she dropped, the most recent gem that she dropped was that, Florence and Harry Styles were actually hooking up prior to, um, A, Florence's breakup with Zach Braff, but also to uh, Harry hooking up with Olivia. So she let a couple bombs drop. You know, who's to say it's true, but, you know, this is all alleged. It feels true to me, but I'm, I'm not trying to get sued. So allegedly, this is true. I mean, it would make more sense because we know that like with the don't worry, darling, oh God, I, I cannot believe that we've been talking about this movie. <laughs> not even about the movie, about the, di the dynamics and the politics that went on behind the scenes of this movie for so long. Um, but the first story that had dropped kind of exposing all the drama that was happening was that Florence didn't like that Olivia and Harry were hooking up and like taking time from rehearsing or whatever to be like, you know, fingering in the corner. Um, but it would make sense. I mean, it made sense period for her to be frustrated by that because you're just trying to do your job, but it would also make sense if like they had previously hooked up and she's feeling some type of way and that there's like a pretty big, uh, crossover between them. So yeah. I mean, listen, it makes sense. I'm just saying what I had heard. Y'all can do with the information what you will. Okay. Um, our second bit of side chick information is from one girl named Rogine Carr. Um, she looks a lot like Kylie Jenner and also Larissa from 90 Day Fiance, you know, with Colty. This is, she looks like Kylie and Colty's ex. Um, she posted on her Instagram stories that she was behind the scenes, uh, you know, on the set of a music video. And in the foreground, you can see, you know, she's like in Video Village. You can see the cameras up. But in the background, it's Travis and some other people. Just a post. Okay. So Travis then responds to this with an Instagram story of his own. This is Travis if you guys don't follow him on Instagram or really know much about him, Travis doesn't really speak too much. He doesn't really like make statements. He's not really on social media too, too much. And so this to me 
came out as very strange as why he felt the need to make this statement about this screen or, you know, picture that she posted on her Instagram. So his story says, it's a lot of weird shit going on. An uninvited person was sneaking photos on what was supposed to be a closed set while I was directing a video. I'm saying this for the last time. I don't know this person. I've never been with this person. So please stop with the continuous cyber games and fictional storytelling. So Regine comes back and is basically like, this is some bullshit. I've been playing your game for too long. This is a uh, the clip that you heard in the beginning and like, I'm not playing your game. Um, and like, you're a fucking liar basically. So she also claims to have videos and, uh, pictures of Travis naked. And it's basically like, if you want me to pull these receipts, I will. Um, and there's been a lot of back and forth. I've been checking like TikTok and all these to figure out what's going on. So here's the thing. A lot of people think that this is real because they had been linked together, Travis and Regine, back in 2013. Um, pictures of them together. There have been pictures of them, um, not of them together, but like he posted a picture of him skiing in Wyoming while he's, you know, with Kanye a couple years ago. And then she also posts a similar picture, like the following day, like he's on the ski slope. And then here she is with similar trees and snow in the background. Right. Um, so a lot of people thought, okay, they've been linked together this whole time. And it's been going back for quite some time. There were also rumors. I think the Biggest time that they were linked together was back in 2019. Kylie and Travis had broken up and the rumor was that she was the reason why. And then she even spoke out then and even is like reiterating it now in real time that like she was not the reason why they broke up, but that they have been together. And like, if she needs to let the chopper spray, she will. Now, also back in 2019, um, she was claiming that the Kardashians were having her and Jordan Woods blacklisted from certain opportunities or speaking out and stuff. Um, and that basically they control so many aspects of the media that they were like putting her in a position where she couldn't say anything and she was feeling threatened. And so she's been trying to play this game the whole time. Um, but she's basically tired of it. There's a guy named Chauncey. <laughs> who um is i don't really honestly know what he does but he definitely has access to celebrities and he went on his instagram live saying that these pictures where um she's saying that travis flew her out to coachella one year i was actually the one who paid i here's pictures of her um flight itinerary um here's uh, the vip lanyard tags that she had like she got that shit for me and basically he felt like she was using him to have access to people like drake travis that those type of rappers right um, so he claims to be the one who's giving her access to all this stuff that she's claiming that Travis is giving her access to. So I, I don't know who's to say I've been telling you guys that I don't think that Travis and Kylie have a monogamous relationship and they just like, don't feel the need to tell us because it's really none of our business. But, um, you know, it's also, there are going to be situations like this that come out if it is true from time to time, and then you have to address it the, again. The most weird thing to me at all is that like Travis is the one who blew this up. Like 
yeah, is this girl verified on Instagram? Sure. But, like, do people really follow her like that? Like, if she just posted a picture of Travis Scott, like, 12 feet away, was this really going to be like, oh, shit, here we go? I don't know. I don't know if, like, it probably would have been another blip, another rumor, just like it's been for since 2013, you know? Um, You know, it's like Streisand effect, where you don't want something to be out there so you address it and you're like oh this is a lie and then it becomes way bigger of a story because you addressed it and now people believe it so uh good luck to you travis good luck to you kylie good luck to stormy and whatever the other baby's name is (laughs) um moving on to our last and final story you guys white on white crime has gotten out of control and i haven't addressed it but finally I will. I'm of course talking about James Corden beefing with restaurateur and owner of Balthazar over here in New York. Um, Keith McNally. They've been beefing for literally a week now. It's been wild. I've been posting it on Instagram. Um, This story is so silly. I can't even believe it, but honestly, I think Uh, James Corden deserves. I honestly do. People don't like him, myself included. And I think he kind of has an Ellen vibe to him where like he, so what I say, you guys, you guys cannot, well, I mean, you guys can do whatever the fuck you want, but the way to real success, let me say this. It's not sustainable to be a personality. Because you end up like Ellen, you end up like James, where people call you a fucking asshole (laughs) and tell the stories. And here you are on TV acting like, oh, I'm just the guy from Sing 2 or whatever. And I'm, um, you know, with Kelly Clarkson singing Party in the USA. I I mean, I know that didn't happen, but whatever. Um, This is what happens. This is what happens. That shit is unsustainable when you're not actually a nice person pretending to be a nice person. Like it never works the house of cards always falls. Thank God I did with James. It really was very funny. So Monday, Keith McNally goes on his Instagram stories and like really pops off on James Corden. He says that, um, <laughs> hold on. He says, James Corden is a hugely gifted comedian. Okay. Um, but a tiny cretin of a man. I will agree with you on that. He goes, and the most abusive customer to my Balthazar server since the restaurant opened 25 years ago. I don't often 86 a customer, but today I 86 Corden. It did not make me laugh. <laughs> and then he says, here are two examples of the funny man's treatment to my, of my staff. Manager's report number one. In June, James Corden was here at table 61. Um, he, after his, I guess James claims that he found a hair in his food. He says, although this is, um, you know, diabolical, it happens very occasionally in all restaurants. After eating his main course, Corden showed the hair to the Balthazar manager, G, who was very apologetic. Corden was extremely nasty to G and said, get us another round of drinks this second. Also, take care of all of our drinks so far. This way I write, I don't write any nasty reviews on Yelp or anything like that. Ew. Ew. Manager's report number two. James Corden was at Balthazar with his wife on October 9th for brunch. He asked for a table outside. Brunch maitre d' Ali took the uh, party to table uh, 301. Mr. Corden's wife ordered an egg yolk omelet with Gruyere cheese and salad. 
A few minutes after they received the food, James called her server, MK, and told her was a, told her there was a little bit of egg white mixed in with the egg yolk. MK informed the floor manager, G, the kitchen remade the dish, but unfortunately sent it with home fries instead of a salad. That's when James Corden began yelling like crazy to the server. You can't do your job. You can't do your job. Maybe I should go to the kitchen and cook the omelet myself. MK was very apologetic and brought G over to the table. He returned the dish, and after that, everything was fine. He gave them promo champagne glasses to smooth things out. G said that Corden was pleasant to him, but nasty to the server. MK was very shaken, but, but the professional that she is, she continued her shift. So from there, there was an official 86 or ban from Keith McNally on behalf of James Corden. So this comes out, the story breaks. Apparently, according to Keith, Corden called him to apologize profusely. And then less than 24 hours later, Keith lifts the ban. We think everything's fine, right? Wrong. <laughs> later that week, James does an interview um, with the New York Times. So... <laughs> They go to Jean George, which is like a really popular high-end restaurant. And he's there with the guy who's interviewing him. And James happens to overhear another patron at a nearby table, curtly rebuking the waiter about the meal that she had ordered. The eggs, it seemed, were not to her liking. Corden shot a conspiratorial glance across his own table to a New York Times writer that he reported that he was dining with and quietly said, happens every day. It's happening in 55,000 restaurants as we speak. It's always about eggs. More archly, he added, can you imagine now if we just blasted her on Twitter? Would that be fair? That's my point. It's insane. (laughs) So this interview had nothing to do with the whole Balthazar situation. The article goes on to say, the original goal of this conversation to which Corden and his press representatives had agreed to start at the start of the month had been to talk about a new Amazon um, series that he's going on and his, um, the fact that he's leaving the late, late show. But then he says, but that art, the agenda was largely blown up on Monday when Keith McNally, um, you know, did, did what he did. Right. So, The article goes on to say on Thursday morning, after a long interview in which Corden variously said that the debate about him was not worth acknowledging and that he was likely to address it in Monday's broadcast of the Late Late Show, which seems like it's not worth acknowledging, but you were going to talk about it on your show. Okay, Um, he finally declared that he did not want credit for going ahead with what could have been and often was an awkward conversation. I haven't done anything wrong on any level. So why would I ever cancel this like the interview? I was there. I get it. And I feel so zen about the whole thing because I think it's so silly. I just think it's beneath all of us. It's beneath you. And it's certainly beneath your publication. Okay, then why are you talking about it? If if you think it doesn't matter, then why are you talking about it? So from there, um, Keith heard about this interview and he retaliated. So then he went to TMZ and said, I have no wish to kick a man when he's down, but I believe the best way for James Corden to retrieve some of the vast respect that the public has had for him before this incident is to own up to it and to apologize to the young servers he abused. If he's big enough to do that, he can eat free at Balthazar for the rest of the year. And then (laughs) he escalates things. Keith does. Then he says, that James can actually eat at Balthazar for free for the next 10 years if he apologizes. So he writes, storm in a restaurant teacup, all caps. I've no wish to kick a man when he's down, especially when he's worth a hundred million dollars. 
But when James Corden said in yesterday's New York Times that he hadn't, quote, done anything wrong on any level, was he joking? Or was he denying being abusive to my servers? Whatever Corden meant, his implication was clear. He didn't do it. Although I didn't witness the incident, lots of my restaurant's floor staff did. They had nothing to gain by lying. James did. I wish James Corden would live up to... Listen to this, you guys. I wish James Corden would live up to his almighty initials and come clean. JC, who does that stand for, you guys? <laughs> if the supremely talented actor, again, lie, um, wants to retrieve the respect that he had from all of his fans, all four of them, before this incident, then he should at least admit that he did wrong. If he goes one step further and apologizes to the two servers he insulted, I'll let him eat for free at Balthazar for the next 10 years. <laughs> all four of y'all. <laughs> Oh my God. I would like to say that I am pretty sure that Keith um, has some pretty uh, um, unappealing opinions. I can't recall them from memory, but I do recall, by the way, he and Dorinda used to date. So if you guys remember, there was a picture of them posted um, like a few months ago and um, he had said that they like used to have a thing, but maybe they're thinking about reuniting it. It was that guy. This guy has some, his opinions, I think, were more of the, like, pro-Woody Allen, that sort of thing. You know what I mean? So, let's not stand Keith, please. But, you know, a baby's got to do what a baby's got to do. And, and a broken clock is right twice a day. And I think uh, Keith really hit on one, you know? <laughs> so, holy Lord, Lord, Lord. Um, I guess James will be announced or um, addressing this non-issue that he thinks is not important, but is beneath him and, and the New York Times and his show, even though he's going to say it. I guess we'll see what happens tonight. <laughs> oh, I'm so ready for this man. Can we like, can we do an exchange program? Send him back. Send him back. He doesn't need to be here. Go back to the UK, bro. Go back. Anyway, next you're going to be hearing a, a recap of the Kardashians and then Winter House. So thank you guys. Let's move on. Kimberly, I will I am editing your own in a second. Bitch, you'll thank me later because I'm editing all of our photos to delete all the bad ones and they have to go to print tonight. I got a ripple and vodka up in my hand. I'll tell you, if Malika looks bad, I'll delete it, even if I look amazing. So, like, no one else is going to look at 10 people in a photo, but I do. Okay, you guys, let's get into the episode of the Kardashians. That was uh, slightly better than last week, but last week was at zero. So, you know, if you multiply two times zero, you know what you get. So let's get into it. The episode starts with Chris's hip surgery. And there was a viewer discretion advice uh, for graphic images of surgery. And I just kind of feel like if you've been on this Kardashian journey long enough, you've seen Courtney pull human beings fully outside of her body. So what could possibly be more, um, not worse, but more jarring than that? I think we're used to it. I think we've seen several images of surgery if you really want to think deep about it on this show, wink, wink. Anyway, um, Chloe visits her afterwards when Chris gets back home and Chris is talking about how she wished she had a friend that would go through surgeries like this with her so that they could like be together and 
be surgery sisters or whatever. Chloe brings up the fact that she wants to get her boobs done. This is something that she's been talking about for years now. Um, so I heard that this was like, uh, I guess like the part from the episode that people found particularly, uh, quote worthy, noteworthy. I didn't, I don't know. Like, yeah, she wants to get her boobs done. What is that a shock? I don't know. She says that she wants her boobs to look like her sisters, which again, I think is what people found most upsetting, but I mean, their boobs are fake. So she wants fake boobs. Uh, what's the story here? I don't know. I just feel like to be shocked about that bit of information is to be shocked that Chloe wants to look different than what she does, which I just feel like, you know, should be old hat at this point. So anyway, Chris and Kylie, Chris and Chloe get Kylie on the phone. They all start talking about their plans for the afterlife and their death and what they want to do with their body, if they want to get cremated or what. But Chloe reveals that the family is constantly talking about their after death plans. And she reveals that she has it in her will that if she's ever in a coma, she's still getting her nails done every week because people are going to be visiting her. And that's important. (laughs) Okay. I also thought it was interesting that Chloe was like, well, they say that you can't cremate yourself in the Bible. I'm like, girl, is this what we're doing? <laughs> okay. Um, Chris wants to build a mausoleum so that everybody in the family can be together. Kylie <laughs> says that they need to uh, enforce some rules and limitations as to how many generations of Kardashian Jenners can be in uh, this mausoleum. Like she's already making this like exclusive. I love that. And then Chloe says that they just really need to be careful where they get buried because if it's going to be a bunch of them, she's heard the rumors about how, you know, people get haunted by putting their homes on uh, burial grounds and stuff like that. So then Chris says in a confessional, can you imagine being haunted by the Kardashians? And I thought with no sense of irony whatsoever. uh, Yeah, I can. I definitely can. I can feel that. And I am. Kendall goes to visit Kylie a few weeks after she gave birth and Kylie's talking about how she has the baby blues. Now she says that she did not go to the doctor to get this diagnosis. She went to Dr. Google, which I'm certainly not above. And it basically she learned that they call it baby blues as opposed to postpartum depression. If it's only within the first six weeks of after giving birth, right? So she tells Kendall that for the first three weeks, After giving birth to her son, she was crying every day to the point where she was triggering headaches. So then this sets up that Kylie and Kendall are going to be going to Vegas because Kylie needs like a a postpartum night out with the girls. Kendall's got this 818 tequila party. Uh, The Grammys were in Vegas this year. So her party was like part of the whole Grammy weekend. And then, you know, the Grammys were going to be the next day, right? So Kendall says in a confessional that she's been working on 818, Lisa Reno's favorite tequila, for about five years now. And like, sweetie, I don't know if I personally would be admitting that if in the first five days of 818's launch, uh, the Mexican people were coming for you, girl, about your lack of authenticity, <laughs> um, your photo shoot that you try to make look like dark and you're wearing like kind of offensive clothing and just like trying to make it seem like I, I just wouldn't admit that. Kendall later thinks 
they talk about the greatest uh, misconception that she feels like people, like the public have about her. And she says that she thinks it's, people think that she's rude or like kind of a mean girl, right? But I don't know if that's really true. I think people think that you're a flop. (laughs) And this is what I mean. Like, I feel like, maybe this is just me, but I feel like venture after venture that Kendall does outside of the Kardashians, like, the Pepsi ad, Firefest, um, 818 Tequila, basically anything that she does that deviates from the family ends up having a tremendous amount of, amount of backlash, not because people want to be haters, but because she genuinely fucked up. And I, this episode was frustrating for me because they were touching on a lot of things, but not really going there, talking about their anxieties and being in the public and the public's perception of them and how like we could have had a great episode if this was just about how like however many years into fame this family is, how they're dealing with it now and how they've had to adjust and adapt and how like fame has affected them. This really could have been a great episode, but they just went like 40% in when they should have gone at least 80. So at the same time, Kim is also planning a trip to Miami because she's doing skim skims swimwear and she wants to do a photo shoot. They act like, We have to go to Florida because there are beaches. Where do you guys live again? Anyway, um, so Chloe's really excited. She's ready to have a night out. Malika goes over to Chloe's to talk about that because obviously Malika is going to be there. But before they do, Malika notices a balloon just floating around Chloe's house, just floating up above the staircase and getting into the kitchen. And I thought, oh, Richard Medley's here. just nice to see him you guys know that like we're all bravo worn for brains people like now i see a stray balloon or like a couple of dimes on the street and i'm like oh there's dorinda's ex-husband here he is hi richard like the frequency with which richard medley's death anniversary comes up or that we have to and by we i mean all of us have to acknowledge his his birthday or his death like i feel like i acknowledge richard's death more than my own father's and that's wild I just feel like his anniversary comes up like every six weeks. Like every time I turn around, we're celebrating or, you know, acknowledging his death. You guys feel that way? I think I'm just weird. Anyway. (laughs) So anyway, they're going to be in Miami for like 12 hours. Quick, quick, quick in and out. And Chloe's really going through it, talking about how she is really nervous about the public's perception of her and what she's wearing, how she's moving, how they're just analyzing every little thing from her. But Also, like, they're going to be just as critical of you in Miami as they would be in Calabasas. So you might as well just go, like, hop on the PJ and, you know, get your life. And then Chloe says that she has a a migraine. And I just felt like I know too much about this family, you know, (laughs) because I keep getting served that Nurtec ad that Chloe did with uh, True. Isn't that for migraines? Like, I don't know. I just feel like they're being a little bit slippery with uh, a lot of the references. They're talking about watching Netflix shows. They're talking about all sorts of things, competing brands. You're talking about how you have a migraine you can't get rid of. Why am I getting served ads for you and True eating popcorn on the couch uh, talking about the the wonders of Nurtec? Leave me out of it. Anyway, Kylie drops out of the Vegas trip at the very last minute. And this... 
it could have been something that they talk about because in the E show, they had mentioned how Kylie tends to do this. She's like super flaky. She'll be all in on a situation and then you'll literally be waiting on her and she'll be like, oh, I'm not coming. And that is so annoying. And I wish they would talk about how annoying that is. Fortunately, Kendall got to fly on Kylie Air. So I, you know, I guess there's that. And Kendall starts talking about how she deals with like the public and whether or not she's an introvert and extrovert and also her friends and having her friends on the show, which, you know, was a little bit of good insight. 40% again, when we could have gone 80. So Kendall's talking about how, you know, Justine Sky is getting on the plane. Haley Bieber's getting on the plane. Other people who have high Instagram counts, but I don't care about get on the plane. And Kendall's talking about how she didn't like to film with her friends on the e-show because she was in middle school in the beginning and she just felt like people were trying to take advantage of her and be like, Hey, let's hang out in the hopes that the cameras would be there. So there's the defense from that. And then she gets older and maybe she's getting a little bit, uh, you know, more stable with her friendships, but now it's like weird to ask your friends to come film with you. So now she's at a point where she can do it and she's fine. And okay, great. Over on Kim's plane, Chloe announces that their flight from Southern California to Miami is only going to be three hours and 45 minutes because uh, Kim's plane has something called extended range, which I didn't Google, but it sounds like a horrific thing for the planet. Like, obviously, like you're just going to be speeding through there, just like blowing gasoline all over Texas, Louisiana, Mississippi, you know, <laughs> that just seems like a real not flex, not a flex at all. Okay, I actually just looked up what extend, extended range means. So apparently in the past, do you guys care about this? <laughs> Probably not, but apparently this will be like a nugget that you can um, just have to know, right? Um, but apparently in the back in the day, uh, these planes could not fly. Uh, they couldn't be any more than like 60 minutes away from a uh, landing strip, airport, whatever. But with this extended range certification, you can be up to five hours away from an airport or landing space. Meaning you can like, I guess it seems like you can just like take the road less traveled because there's less air traffic because there are going to be more concentration of people flying closer to airports, right? So I guess they can go faster because there's just less traffic, I'm assuming. I'm thinking this is what that means. Anyway, let's move on. <laughs> Another thing that I noticed that really brings the quality down in this show is the musical choice, or are the musical choices. It's so bad. Hulu's really not, um, you could tell the budget's different than E for sure. Like we're not getting, I mean, obviously we're not getting Kanye music anymore, but like, now it's like not even as good as the Vanderpump Rules music. It's just like party, party, party. Everybody's going to party. And it's not even that good. Not even like Selling Sunset good. Like worse than that. And it's really jarring to watch all these like glossy celebrities uh, with this like really bad music. Like worse than the Shaws of Sunset theme song. And that's like 
how much worse can it get? And I like ironically stay in that song because if you listen to the lyrics, it is the probably the douchiest words ever put together in history. It's it's incredible. How do you have a mind that douchey? Cut a lot of girls, cut a lot of check. Never mind. I, I can't. Let, let, <laughs> this up this not good. You guys, I think this might be the last episode that I talk about Kardashians because like, do you guys enjoy <laughs> that I don't enjoy this? I don't think so. <laughs> I'm not having fun. And I can't imagine that you guys are either. <sighs> Let's get this finished. Um, I have so much more to talk about. No, I don't. Okay. The weirdest thing happens in this point because Chloe, Malika, and Kim have landed in Miami and they're in a car, presumably going from the airport to the hotel, right? But then there's this weird thing where they're seemingly in a residential area. You can see a bunch of houses. There's like an auto shop in the far distance if you look closely. But it seems like they're in a residential area and the car that they're in just stops like in the middle of the street, did not seem to be an intersection or whatever. And so then all these people are coming out of their cars, like a random paparazzo, a guy who's holding a big sign that's got a bunch of pictures it looks like on. You can't get a good look of it. People like coming up to the car and it creates the scene of Chloe talking about how uncomfortable it is to be around the paparazzi and how these moments really like amp up her anxiety but they're literally just stopped in the middle of a neighborhood (laughs) like why are you guys stopped then it's very strange it's not like they were in traffic and people happened to see them it's like literally they created this problem for themselves and now i'm supposed to feel bad for chloe because they decided to tell people they were going to be stopped in a neighborhood and now they're taking pictures of them. Like it was just very strange. Like really nobody else was on the street. Why were they there? There was no explanation for that. It literally just looks like, Oh, this is a scene that we're filming. Now I got to feel bad because y'all invited people there. Weird. Then we go back to Vegas. Kendall and Haley have landed there and there was an important scene, probably the scene of the episode for me, which is Haley. (laughs) in the car with her like miniature teacup Yorkie in her lap. And she rolls down the window and goes, baby, like talking to the dog. Do you know where we are? It's like, I don't think that Yorkie knows that it's in Las Vegas, Haley. (laughs) Pretty sure. (laughs) Like, did she think if she rolled down the window, window, it was going to help the dog notice like the Bellagio. (laughs) What a strange world. Haley is, how do I say this with, an ounce of respect. Ooh, don't think it's possible. I think Haley, respectfully, is like just a beautiful little decoration, a beautiful ornament. Um, it just seems like she has a very easy life. You know what I mean? Like, granted, yeah, her dad is what Stephen Baldwin, the worst Baldwin even now, somehow. Um, And that's got to be tough. But other than that, I think her life seems pretty chill. And it's just interesting to me to watch people who just like float through life because they're beautiful and like kind of nice. That's why she's fascinating to me. But other than that, like, and I also just feel like what's going on there? Is there anything there? Like, is there a there there that I'm not seeing or is this it? 
Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. I mean, listen, it, this is no shade because if this is it for Haley, it's really working for her, you know? <laughs> it's really working out well for her. I just find it fascinating you know it, it just clicked for me she's a Stassi by Stassi I mean Stassi Schroeder she is like the unattainable girl next door like I've been kicking around this theory for a while like the reason why Stassi had her heyday like sure you can say she was funny in her talking heads or whatever but she was also she's also like pretty but not too pretty you know what I mean? Like, not too pretty that she's unattainable. Like, she's definitely the prettiest girl that went to her high school, probably. You know? Um, she's... Her life is, like, just out of reach, but not so out of reach that it makes you feel that bad. Like, if you're like, I I can watch her and not feel like shit. Like, the people that like Stassi are like, oh, we could be friends, but there's just something about her that's just a little bit too out of reach for me. But I still stand her because, like, in my mind, I could be her. I'm just not. You know what I mean? Like, there's something very marketable about that. Like, Kylie is not relatable. You know? Like, Kylie is too rich. And, like, Haley's all these things. Like, too rich, the surgery, whatever. But, like, I think people see Haley as like more attainable, more um, approachable, more relatable than Kylie will ever be. Like they're just too, like they're different, but the same. You know what I mean? Like I've also noticed people try to rewrite history with Haley and talk about how she was like a quote unquote, like awkward kid growing up. And then she, you know, like blew up and grew up into this like beautiful swan no she wasn't like if you look at pictures of her like you can tell she was unique looking but you could tell like she was not going to grow up to be anybody's version of ugly like wasn't gonna happen and honestly i don't think she's had too much work done somebody tell kanye that because i won't be anyway um Kendall talks about the stress of being in public and the perception that her family has. And this is where she was talking about, like, people think she's a mean girl when it couldn't be further from the truth. And then Scott shows up. Brody Jenner pulls up. Winnie Harlow's there. They're all at some day party at Tao. And Kendall says, I would much rather be at a farm in Wyoming right now. And I was about to roll my eyes. And then she said, I would still like to be wasted. Don't. 
make any mistake about that. I just don't want to be in Vegas. And then I thought, you know what? I'm with you on that, Kendall. <laughs> I definitely like, let's keep the party going. I just don't want to be at a pool party in, in the middle of Vegas. I, that's me. That's I, I felt you on that. I've never related to Kendall Moore. But again, this was like also a moment where, um, baby, you're at a paid uh, appearance. I think maybe you should refrain from saying I would like to be anywhere but here. Just a thought. Anyway, back in Miami, Kim is taking full advantage of all the views out of her hotel suite and doing a whole photo shoot. We're talking look after look after look. Like, I'm here. Let's get it popping. She uh, says that her Instagram uh, feed is like a, a business for her. And so she's squeezing every last drop out of this Miami trip. <laughs> like, literally, like... um we're going to take this picture and me in this outfit from the inside, but you can see the outside. And then we're going to go outside, which is literally about eight inches from where I took the last photo shoot. But I'm here in a totally different outfit. She did about three different looks for her Instagram feed. That's wild. That's really, really wild. The producer gets in, came in a confessional. They're like, it seems like you have a really hard time relaxing. Kim. She's like, yeah. Yeah, I do. Then they get to the Skims pop-up party. Chloe's talking about the difference between her and Kim, which is that Kim will, like, float around because it's, like, a party. There's people waiting, you know, fans waiting outside, just taking pictures of them. Paparazzi's there. It's a whole thing, right? Chloe's saying that the difference between she and Kim is that Kim will go to these things and float through like she's on a hoverboard. But Chloe is thinking in her mind, okay, Take a left step, right step, left step, right step. Like just always in her head, worrying about what she's looking like, worrying about how the picture is going to turn out, worrying that she is okay so that people don't make fun of her. And that's like, let's talk about that more. You know what I mean? Let's get into that. Let's talk about how Kim is really the only one in her family built for this. Whereas Courtney's like trying to fly off to wherever the hell every other day. Uh, Kylie's flaking out on plans with her own family because she won't leave her house. Chloe is a whole ball of anxiety, just worried about every little movement that she makes being judged. And yet here Kim is like, hey, guys, <laughs> are you guys having fun? Like, it, it's like, let's get into that. Let's get into that. Actually, we can get into that because I have a whole Patreon series about the Kardashians and what their damage is and all their issues. You can go to on patreon.com slash EBBM podcast. I'm not even kidding. I did Chloe. I did, actually didn't do Kim because I felt like she gets woven into a lot of the situations. But I did Chris, Courtney, Chloe, Kendall, and Kylie. And that was a real fun ride for me. There was also a very short clip with Courtney where Kim and Chloe call her and they're like, Hey, we landed in Miami. We're going to the skims pop up, blah, blah, blah. Wish you were here, babe. And Courtney's like, yeah. Um, I didn't even know you guys were doing that until you just told me now. So cool. Hope you guys have fun. And then she says in a confessional, like I wasn't going to go anyway, but I would have liked the invite and you know, let's talk about that. Let's talk about that. There was, I guess Courtney did an article or an interview recently where she said that she has really pulled back on her relationship with Kim and Chloe recently. And they're like really not that close anymore. You know, let's get into that. Let's get into that. So the party goes off. 
Then they go to the Skims uh, dinner with a bunch of people and it's humid. It's like they're on the rooftop, right? It's like Chloe's hair is just getting bigger and bigger by the moment. Whereas Kim just looks like a beautiful goddess. She turns to Kim and says, I just don't know how you do it. Like, you're just so pretty. Um, I, I'm so uncomfortable. It's so humid here, but you look perfect. And I just want to know who your parents are because I don't think we have the same ones. <laughs> Oops. Oopsie. <laughs> You dropped something, Chloe. So Chloe has really been trying to take advantage of like partying. She's like, this is going to be my night. I'm going to wow the fuck out. Usually I'm a grandma, but like, I'm going to be out here in these streets, pass the tequila. Um, let's get it popping. Right. So they get back to the hotel room and they're like partying in the penthouse. Whereas here's Kim on a love seat with some dude looking pretty intently at her laptop. Right. So Chloe's like, oh, you guys are losers. Like, let's go party. Let's go out. Let's go see Dave Grutman or whatever. And Kim gets, like, really passionate, right? She's really passionate because apparently whatever deal she had with, like, Batgrid or whatever photo agency, the photos that she did from that Skims party, the deal that she has, those photos have to be out that same night. But Kim has to give approval for every picture taken at the party at the dinner what have you and she's like you guys are gonna thank me later okay and then she goes on this whole rant in a confessional about how um you know uh i'm gonna be the one to take care of them okay i they're gonna be so happy at the end of the day when i'm i've edited these photos and they look good and i'm that bitch i'm the girl who's gonna make sure that who's I look at a picture of 10 people. I'm going to make sure everybody looks good. I'm going to make sure those pictures of Malika where she looks bad get deleted, even if I looked at in those pictures. So, you know, maybe you guys can give me a little credit. <laughs> like, okay. She's not wrong about that because back to Vanderpump rules, one of the fascinating things that I noticed, like this is how I know that those girls weren't friends. And this is something that we can carry into our real lives and you can gauge it in your own friendships. This is real. Women to women, you can tell how good of a friendship you have with your friend when they do two things, okay? They'll either post a picture where they look good, nobody else does, and those, like, Katie, Saucy, especially, Kristen, they would always post pictures of each other, like, group shots where, like, the one who posted looked the best and then the other ones look like shit. And we've all been in that moment where it's like, why the fuck did she post that picture? And then you're like, damn, is she mad at me? Damn, bitch. And then you have those friends who are just like so sweet that they don't, they'll post the worst picture of you on the planet and have like no like understanding of why you wouldn't want. They're like, oh, I think you look cute. Like you're my friend, like, like a parent would. And you're like, um, are you serious? Like, you can see all of my chins. Like, are you mad at me? So just like, beware, ladies. I don't know if, if other people deal with this, but you know, us ladies, we definitely know you can, you can gauge the state of your friendship by the types of pictures that your friends post of you. That's just the fact. Chloe's able to wrangle them to the club, but once they get there, it's a total flop and they want to leave, which is kind of a, a representation of me every week watching the show. Like, I look forward to it and then I get there and I'm like, well, can we go? <laughs> 
can we leave? Uh, so back in Vegas, Kendall and her friends, they go to eat at Carbone and Kendall's talking about her career and how she's 10 years into her modeling career and she still really loves it, but she wants to um, go into the world of being a businesswoman. So good luck with that, Kendall, because it has not worked for you yet. And then the screen pops up and says 1.45 a.m. And then we get all these montages of uh, TMZ, ET, Access Hollywood, whoever, talking about how uh, after the Grammy's performance that Travis was in, he and Courtney got married in a little chapel in Vegas. And the last thing we see is a producer being like, uh, are you married? Did we miss it? And Courtney's like, well, guess what? And then the episode ends. So... Um, I guess we'll have to wait to see if, if Courtney and Travis got married. <laughs> Stay tuned. <laughs> uh, okay. You can't make people one. uncomfortable. And I've just been sitting on it and sitting on it. And then when he touched Paige, like, I can't hold it in anymore. It's okay. Quit, let it out. Is this, like, hard as a funeral? Yeah. I get all the emotions. Luke is not a bad guy. He's just so... All right, you guys, episode two of Winter House was quite ooh, layered and, and um, we have a lot to talk about, don't we? Let's get into it. So the episode begins again where we left off last week with Amanda and Paige in bed and Amanda's just advising Paige on how to deal with, you know, Loving a man child and loving a man who can't control himself when he drinks and all the fun and foibles that come with that. So good luck, girl. Rachel and Jason are kind of flirting. They're actually kind of flirting the entire episode, but I feel like they're such like third tier characters that we're not even getting talking heads about what's going on. So all of episode two, I'm like looking over at them and he's like, touching her very flirtatiously or they're having these moments but that's really it. it's kind of like you have to piece together that there's a whole love story happening on the show i mean i know we're in episode two but it seems like they're they got on pretty hot and heavy pretty quickly and i just feel like we could have paid more attention to that but we'll move on um I, the main focus of course is with luke and uh jessica they're in the hot tub at this point. Luke does ask Jessica for a kiss. She says, no, it's like not something that she likes to do on the first date. She likes to gauge the situation before she goes there. And he's like, okay, yeah, cool. Like you could tell that he didn't uh, agree, but he understood and was like, yeah, cool. Like we, we can take it slow. Right. So poor Rachel, everybody goes to sleep. Poor Rachel wakes up at six. 30 in the morning trying to make breakfast in the midst of this absolute disgusting kitchen like the whole downstairs is completely torn up like I can't even say that some frats don't even get down like this and we're all talking about people who are late 20s at the youngest I I I don't know this lifestyle. Like I understand that these people are paid to party and drink and like all of that. But at some point we just get too into sloppy territory. And I feel like that's where we're going. Like grown men don't need to be smashing glasses on the floor to have a good time. Like 
the insistence, Craig, that that is a like factual, correct, like gauge of what is fun is very strange. It's real strange. Craig is. <laughs> Paige is really just trying to get herself back together from Craig being the sloppiest boy at the party the night before. And she says in a confessional, look, I've dated guys who are perfect in every situation. And I just found it to be so boring. So even though I a thousand percent disagree with some of Craig's behavior, like I'm still into it. At some point in the episode, there's kind of like a girl's talking about Paige's relationship. And then Craig's with the guys talking about their relationship. And they seem to both agree that the long distance probably is really good for them. Um, Paige does say like, I'm not ready to leave New York anytime soon. But I also know that like, our relationship can't go on long distance, probably. Um, and Craig also says that they don't really fight, but the distance and the fact that they have like space and freedom from each other most of the time is uh, probably what is helping their relationship, which I don't know, guys, maybe we need to think more about that. Maybe we need to consider that more because to me, like every absolutely people can make a long distance relationship work, but for them, I have to imagine when they're like, young celebrity kids with money and, you know, a lot of disposable income and a lot of free time. Uh, I imagine their time together is like vacation, you know, it's like a bachelor in paradise with them when they're together. And so they probably don't really dig too deep and it's probably just, they're like flirting all the time. The energy is really fun and sexy, but are we really digging in deep here? I don't know. I really don't know. That's really their problem, though. I'm not invested in them as a couple, <laughs> if I'm being honest. Um, I don't really like the either of them individually, but I think they're a good couple in the sense that, like, I think they have the same priorities and the same, like, wants out of life. And in that respect, it's a good fit. Because for a girl like Paige, who, you know, is on a reality show and also, like, her other job, if she still has another job is like fashion and being on social media and being an influencer. And I would imagine that's like kind of hard to uh, find a guy who was like down for that. You know, like Craig loves it. Craig loves being, making little cameos on her TikTok. Like he's just like, he's so pleased with himself. And I think he really likes like posing for pictures on Instagram and looking like this power couple and like having people adore them. Like, that in that respect, I think they're a really good fit for each other. Anyway, Craig continues his reign of terror by first lying and saying that he was not responsible for making like 80% of the mess, even though he absolutely was playing a punching bag with a pinata. And then he says it like everybody's talking about like, hey, obviously we need to clean. There's glass on the floor. Like people want to walk around. This is not safe. And it's dirty. And Craig's like, you know what? I'm not cleaning. I'm 34. And I make plenty of money. And I'm just not going to be cleaning a house while I'm on vacation. Like, ew. <laughs> ew. You guys see what I meant last week about how Craig is like, it, the way that they like, I don't know, like Craig out of water, like out of the Charleston swamp waters is really disgusting. Like, 
But I know that Craig thinks that this shit flies because it probably does. Like, it probably is people like Thomas Ravenel and Shep talking about how they have, you know, domestic help in probably not PC at all way. And they just throw money at the problem. And that's like seen as like very cool and alpha, where as here, it's like disgusting. (laughs) Like, it just comes off as so gross and then craig is going on this rant about how you know he works hard and he didn't come from any money well no i mean i did my dad owned a cleaning company but like um you know i'm like first generation money so you know i know the value of working hard and i worked hard to get where i was at and blah 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 and it's like no you didn't craig (laughs) like no you didn't maybe you definitely worked harder than shep to get where you are. You definitely worked harder than Thomas Ravenel, but like you're talking about how your new money and your dad owns a cleaning company. And this is how disgusting you are towards like that line of work. Like this makes you look even worse. Is this man supposed to be a lawyer? <laughs> that just, I just remember that just the realization of that just washed right over me, especially when he said that, Oh my God, what did he say? It was so stupid. Oh, I think he says it later. We'll we'll get into it. He says plenty of dumb shit now. Like, Luke makes a comment about how, yeah, I, I just think that Craig and I have different values and stuff. And Craig starts yelling about how Luke has to clean up for himself because he lives out in Minnesota where he probably can't hire a cleaning company. And, like, basically he acts like people who are even capable of cleaning up after themselves are, like, beneath him. Kyle's so disgusted by this conversation, he walks out of the room entirely and is like, I, I I don't even know what he's talking about. The scene basically ends in like Craig kind of walking around while everybody else cleans up with his hands on his hips, just like supervisor, right? And yeah, people are like picking up chips of glass out of the rug. And, you know, he makes a comment about how, you know, I've put myself in a position where like, if I don't want to do something, then I can afford to have people do it for me, which is like, fine. But also, like, what are you talking about? It's just, it was just very gross and super new money and just like, ugh, yucky. I can understand when Paige says that she doesn't like a guy who's, like, too, too perfect because it's kind of, like, stifling and boring. But, like, this is just gross. This is just, like, objectively gross behavior. And I don't know if this is, like, the shit that should be exciting you and keeping you in this relationship, girl. So at this point, Jessica's starting to kind of be icky towards, not be icky towards Luke, but like have the ick about Luke, right? Uh, Corey, the guy with the pearl necklace, (laughs) the girl with the pearl necklace, um, decides to go grocery shopping for the house. And Jessica's like, oh, please let me go with you because she's... Luke's been hovering. He's getting her coffee. He's like giving her longing glances, just like a lot of intimate touch happening. And you could just like, ladies, we all have been here. We're just like, Ooh, I was kind of into this. And now I'm not, (laughs) I'm so not. And I'm just hoping he like picks up on the fact that I'm not into this so that I don't have to address it. Right. So they go to the grocery store and you know, Jessica's now like, let me see what Corey's about. I've been spending basically all the time since I've been here with Luke and, you know, 
see what new talent is out there. So on the way to the store, Jessica's kind of gauging where Corey's at, who he's interested in in the house, what he's feeling. And he's being like super chill about it. But in a confessional, he's like, well, what she doesn't know is that I'm actually pursuing every woman in the house. (laughs) Okay. See, this is like the Love Island, Geordie Shore energy that emanates from him. And then he was wearing some real British outfit later. It's those t-shirt everything everything on his body was distressed everything had a hole on it everything had like a bleach stain um a tear a rip some sort of distressing situation happened um you know the holes on the the what what's with these like long t-shirts like long ones like the ones that are like fitted and they're like not like a like not like a white t-shirt like it's a nice t-shirt that you would get from like it seems it gives like Armani Exchange. It gives like um, Zara men's. I don't know something that's like kind of Euro. These like long shirts that go down to like mid calf. I don't get it. And then the really tight skinny jeans with the distress and the knees out. Oh, it's a look. I'm not into it. No judgment if you are. It just it just gives like sweaty guy in the club screaming in my ear. And I just like, I can't, I'm 36. I'm knocking on 37. I just don't have the patience for it anymore. Jessica. I don't, she's interesting at the grocery store. She doesn't understand what sardines are. Corey asks, um, have you ever had sardines? She's like, no, but I love them. And he's like, why would you say that if you've just said that you've never had them? And she's like, well, they're like tuna, right? And he's like, no, not at all. <laughs> and then she doesn't seem to understand that seltzers come in uh, non-alcoholic versions. I don't know if this is like an act. I don't know. There are a couple of moments in this episode where I'm like, is this real, Jessica? Are we, are we pulling a Jessica Simpson here on purpose? I don't know. But they get back to the house and Luke is really hovering hard now. He's hugging her as soon as she walks in. He's like putting her hands on his shoulder. Um, do you want me to make the salmon that you bought? Is is that what you want? Um, rub shoulder, rub shoulder. And she's like, mm-hmm. And like everybody in the house now, except for Luke, is getting that Jessica is not interested. And she's like really getting skeeved out by him. Craig is really the one who's like spearheading this whole situation. He's telling Corey, like, thank you for getting Jessica out of the house. So she could be away away from Luke for a minute. And yeah, it, it's a weird thing. So Corey tells, uh, 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 ugh, <laughs> brain fart page and Craig that he was really feeling Jessica at first, like the most out of all the girls here. And, but then he also says that his, girlfriends in the past have a history of being dark haired and dark skinned. And I would have liked Corey to expand on this. Like how dark of the skin were we talking? Like, are we talking like a, like an Italian girl, like a Latina, or are we talking like Sierra page seems to seem to think that he's talking about Sierra. I don't, I don't think he's talking about black girls. I think he's talking about dark skin, white women, but whatever. Um, he, Corey's like, yeah, I mean, she's beautiful, obviously, but he's like kind of eh, about the whole situation because of Austin. Then everybody sits down for dinner before going out. Craig and Luke get into it again about the fireworks of it all. And Craig, oh my God, he's just like so weird. He's like, me and Luke are just completely different people. We crash on everything, clash on everything. Like Luke doesn't 
like setting fireworks on fire. And like, that's absurd. Like, that's something that Austin would say. (laughs) Oh my gosh. So Craig's defense as to why he lit this entire box of fireworks off was because he walked into a room, he saw a box of fireworks, and he just did what he had to do. And Luke was like, okay, but they weren't yours. And you shouldn't have touched them. Craig's like, have his defenses. Have you ever walked into a room and seen fireworks and not let them off? That's absurd. (laughs) Again, this man is supposed to be a lawyer. He has a whole law firm. That's your defense? Girl, what what kind of law do you practice, sir? Hopefully you're not a defense attorney. (sighs) He's so weird. So everybody decides to like figure out whether they're going out or not. Amanda had hurt her knee earlier going sledding. So she's like, I'm just going to stay in. Kyle has to stay in because of that. And then uh, Jessica says, Oh, you know, I think I'll stay, you know, she's trying to create separation. And then Luke all of a sudden's like, you know what? A night in with the fire and some wine. That sounds nice. Rubs your shoulder. Does that sound good to you, Jessica? She's like, "Mm hmm. Yeah, okay. (laughs) Craig is whispering over to Paige, like, Luke, here he goes again. He's making her feel uncomfortable. And Paige is like, do you think I should stay back to hang out with Jessica? He's like, no, don't worry about it. We're going to go out, right? Um, So Jessica says in a confessional, right now, I'm just feeling like Luke is a fly that I want to swat. Like, at first it was endearing, but now it's just like, I kind of need a bit of space. Like, please don't touch me. So then they get to the bar. Paige tells Sierra what Corey said, kind of. But instead of saying that he liked girls with dark hair and dark skin, she's like, oh, he said he likes girls with dark hair and dark eyes, which is this a game of telephone or is this you like changing the narrative so you don't have to be like, hey, he said he liked black girls. <laughs> like, that's weird. Um, so she tells him, she tells Sierra about like what he said about Austin and, Sarah's like in a confessional like I get it he knows Austin like but I kind of feel like at this point it's feeling like a stain on me like people don't want to be around me or like entertain talking to me like I think he's super cute and but I also understand that with Austin comes drama and I get it so back at the house, Amanda and Jessica are playing Never Have I Ever while uh, Kyle and Luke are outside talking. So Jessica reveals that she actually got engaged at the age of 18. And I felt like we could have spent a little bit more time on this story. She says that her sister moved to Australia and she just really wanted to get out of their situation. So she was like, oh, if you're going, I'm going too. So she just... And got engaged to some dude at the age of 18 and moved to Australia just to escape. And yeah, I just really would have liked to hear more of that. But oh, well, then they start talking about Luke. And Jessica's like, yeah, when I first got to the house, I thought Luke was so hot and great. But the more I got to know him, I just realized that maybe we're more friends. Like it just wasn't romantic for me. Like it seems to be for him. So then Luke is telling Kyle, like, I'm brushing my teeth and I'm thinking about Jessica. I'm waking up in the morning thinking about so many things and it's all about Jessica. And like, I'm just like really into her. And then he talks in a confessional about his therapy journey and how uh, he's like trying to work out his emotions so he could be open to somebody and how exciting Jessica is because she's a girl who 
likes to be outside sometimes. I mean, that really seemed to be the only thing that he could come up with. But uh, yeah, yikes. So Jessica tells Amanda, like, I'm trying to show him through my body language that I'm not interested. And Amanda's like, yeah, I know you are. And he's clearly not getting that. So yeah, I, oh God, Amanda tells Jessica, like, I think you might need to get out of the gray area and just make it a little bit more black and white for him. Because listen, Luke is stupid. He's a dummy and he just doesn't pick up on the signs that girls aren't interested. So we see like a montage of, flashbacks from summer house where hannah's talking about how she's not interested in him which i don't remember <laughs> but okay and then uh sierra remember he got he gave sierra a bouquet of flowers to kind of apologize and she's like yeah cool but uh we're just gonna be friends just so you know um so yeah like he just doesn't get it kyle tells luke to like maybe put the brakes on things take things a little bit slower there's plenty of time don't worry about it even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF Podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues, your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this allergy, Allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on. Craig is doing Jaeger shots at the bar while all of this is happening. And I think that's something that we need to take into consideration when I explain the rest of what happened this episode. Like, never a good idea, my guy. Jaeger shots. I mean, he was taking so many shots, buying shots for other people at the bar. Ugh, yuck. Yuck, yuck, yuck. So everybody gets back to the house. Everybody's still in party mode. Like, they're ready to turn up. Paige and Sierra got up on the kitchen table. They're dancing. Luke gets up to kind of, like, dance with Sierra. And Craig's like, leave her alone. Get down. Like, it's not for you. Stop dancing. But then Craig gets on the table. Corey gets on the table. Corey throws another wine glass. And at this point, Amanda's like, okay, I think I'm done with the glass throwing. Like, I would like to be able to walk around without like worrying about shards getting into my feet and craig starts yelling like stop being boring but he almost calls her a bitch until uh, or before page covers his mouth which would have been a real problem for me so in a confessional craig's like we should be having fun this is vacation if we're not going to trash the house and what's the point and this is what i'm talking about like what is your gauge? You were 34. You're I you're this 34-year-old man who makes all the money in the world and you're um doling out money like Mr. fucking Monopoly, but you think that like you have to throw glasses on the ground to have fun. I've never thought that. Never once. That's so strange. <laughs> I wish somebody would look at Craig when he's sober and say, 
what you think is like the only way to have fun is unsustainable. Like, like, what are you going to be at like a kid's birthday at some point and like throwing glass and now little Tommy's got glass in his eye because you were like, oh, well, the only way this party's going to turn up is if I like, you know, <laughs> like what, what's wrong with him? I mean, I, I think we all know what's wrong with Craig. Let's be real. I think we know what's going on with Craig. We're just not talking about it. You know what I mean? Same thing that was going on with Jax, Sonia, Dorinda, most of the Real Housewives of New York. And, uh, yeah, a couple people in Summer House, frankly. But, um, yeah, I, ugh, he really needs to take a look within himself. Or can he hire somebody? Why don't you hire somebody to look inside you, Greg? Hire a therapist, please. So Amanda and Craig start getting into it and Kyle's like trying to like, he's not being too, doing too much, but like doing the husband thing of like, I'm just going to stand here. And if you get too crazy, Craig, I'm going to have to step in. Right. Paige just like fucks off to the room. She's like, I'm too hot. I need to change my clothes. But then like the house has, you know, a second floor balcony. So Paige gets over there and, Kyle's like, you need to put your boyfriend on a fucking chain. Like, this is crazy. He didn't yell at her, but he was like, yo, this is crazy. And in a confessional, it's like, you know, even if it's frivolous, stupid stuff that people are fighting about, it just really stresses me out it, when my boyfriend fights with my friends. But it's like, okay, then talk to him. Because actually, this stuff isn't that stupid. Like, throwing glass is incredibly immature. It's an incredibly immature to do thing to do, like, night after night. You know, like every night we have to be doing this. It's weird. How are you? Who's there's by tomorrow that you're going to have nothing to drink out of. And whose fault is that going to be? So Paige tells Kyle and Amanda, listen, I love you guys. I love him. I can't control the things that come out of his mouth, which is true. But it's also like you can have a conversation with your boyfriend about like, if he's embarrassing you, you should be able to have that conversation. If he's making you feel uncomfortable, you should be able to have that conversation with him. You know? So at this point, it's almost 2.30 in the morning. People are kind of passing out. Some people are still partying. Everybody's like, you know, in the kitchen, just like after party shit, right? So Luke is giving Jessica a back rub. Um, excuse me. Luke is giving Rachel a back. Nope. Sorry. Jason is giving Rachel a back rub, which prompts Luke to give Jessica a back rub. I'm so sorry. Hopefully you followed that. <laughs> He's like whispering in Jessica's ear, like on some arrested development shit. Like, hey, brother. <laughs> like real creepy. Luke is Buster Bluth. Is Luke Buster Bluth? <laughs> anyway, so um, Paige makes a comment about like what in the massage parlor is happening over in this corner. So Craig's like, this is so weird. Obviously, Jessica feels uncomfortable. She can't even look at Luke. So then Luke goes over to a different group. He's like now um, he's like with Paige and Craig and a couple of other people. Paige is sitting in a chair. She's sitting like her legs are folded up on the chair, right? And she's just kind of chilling. So Luke is talking to Paige and he first puts his hand on her knee and then like kind of rubs the back of her head. And Craig notices this and he snaps and he's like, if you touch my girlfriend again, I will throw you through a goddamn window. And he repeats himself a few times. Never touch her. Like he's pointing at Paige or her pointing at Jessica 
ever again. You're making people uncomfortable. You're touching people when they don't want you to touch them. If you massage Jessica without her saying yes, I will throw you through a goddamn window. Luke's like, you're out of your goddamn mind. And Craig's like, just don't touch my fucking girlfriend. Okay. Luke tries to explain your girlfriend is my friend. Paige has now moved while these are two guys are getting into it. She's now like on the other side of the kitchen. And so Craig's like, see, look, look at, she's all the way over there hiding from you. And Luke's like, yeah, because you made her feel uncomfortable. Like you're the one who's escalating and screaming about how you were going to throw me through a window. So are you going to throw me through a window? Do it. So obviously at this point, the night is over. <laughs> like, I think we may should, maybe should go to bed at this point. People start going back to their rooms. Jessica goes into her room. Corey checks in on her real quick and is like, are you okay? She's like, yeah, I'm fine. And then Craig and Corey come back in the room. And Craig's like, I'm sorry for like escalating it to that situation. And Jessica says, I get it. I was like kind of hoping that, you know, I've been feeling uncomfortable this whole time. So like, you're you're good, right? Then she goes back to Craig and Paige's room because he's like, just come and hang out with us for a bit. Luke goes to his room to call his sister. So Craig says in a confessional, we can't touch people like that. And I've been sitting on it and sitting on it this whole time. But when he touched Paige, I just lost it. And like, I just couldn't help myself. Listen, I don't disagree with Craig. That is very true. Do I think this situation needed to get where it was no because now we have the situation like where jessica's feeling and i totally felt for her this whole time so um jessica goes into the room Paige and craig's room but then the guys like leave them alone so just Paige and jessica are talking and i thought Paige was being really great and she's like just cry it out like let it out this is not your fault don't think that like I'm not trying to defend Luke right now, but I just think he's like kind of a dummy and he just doesn't get it. Um, but I also think that Craig blew things out of proportions, but like most importantly, you did nothing wrong. You know, don't, don't feel that way. So then we see Luke get a hold of his sister. He tells her the story, you know, it's from his perspective, but from his perspective, I would imagine things just escalated when he touched Paige. He's not knowing the whole backstory of people watching him and noticing that he's making Jessica uncomfortable. So for his perspective, he's like, oh, I touched Paige's head and Craig blew the fuck off at me, right? He threatened to kill me. You know, I was like, I want to rip Craig's face off right now. So Luke's sister, Allie, is like, listen, I wasn't there, but I've never seen you make anybody feel uncomfortable don't let Craig determine who you are. And so Luke says in a confessional that up until that night, he thought Jessica had been showing interest in him. And we do see more footage of them in the hot tub where he says, this is kind of awkward to be here with you alone because I thought maybe you were interested in Jason. She's like, oh, I'm not interested in Jason at all. I'm interested in you. And I, I could see how that would be confusing I think that even the most well-meaning guys forget this aspect of it, it, which is that she could say that she's interested in you and then literally lose interest in you three seconds later. And uh, that's it. You know, like it doesn't matter that she said she was interested in you three seconds prior to that. If she changes her mind, her mind is changed and we got to roll with that punches and not like the history. Even if that history was like 
super, super recent. I get why he's confused because she did make it very clear to him that she was interested, but that was then (laughs) and this is now things have changed and this is just where we're at. So then Luke says, she's been flirting with me this whole time, but now my mind is racing and I'm just wondering, like, am I that guy? And if I am, then holy fuck. Luke says he just wants to go home. And Allie's like, well, just do it. Like, if you want to go home, go home. So meanwhile, Craig is downstairs ranting to, we can't see who he's talking to. So I'm assuming he's talking to production about how, like, if Luke stays and I'm leaving, get him the fuck out of here. And then Sierra shows up and it's now like three o'clock in the morning. So Sierra's trying to calm Craig down and be like, just go to bed. Like there's not a single thing we can do about this right now. You got to calm down. And then she goes up to the bedroom. So now it's like Paige, all the girls are in the bedroom. I think maybe except for Amanda who fell asleep. So Sierra goes up in her room and she's like, girl, Paige, like I'm with you. I'm riding with you. If that's your man. Cool. You need to know that your man is crazy. (laughs) So just so you let me know. So then Sierra sits down and is like, okay, no, all bullshit aside, Jessica, how are you actually feeling right now? Jessica says, listen, if I had had this conversation with Luke, it would have never escalated to this point. Like, I just don't have conversations the way that Craig would. Um, So then we see Luke packing up his boxes, bags, his whole room. And then we see a car um, drive off in the middle of the night. So I'm very interested in seeing what happens. I don't know, you guys. Like, it's such a... I feel for Jessica, obviously, more than everybody, because it's such a bad situation to be in. And I think most women have been there where you're just like, he's not... Like, I know he's not trying to make me uncomfortable, but he is. And I, should I say something? Should I not? Like, I don't want to be a bitch or I don't want to like come off this sort of way, but like, these are my feelings and I just don't know. Like, you just feel trapped and that sucks. And on top of that, I'm thinking Jessica doesn't know anybody in this house, you know, except for Jason, nobody. And she is on TV for the first time. And it's like, God, I imagine, I just can't imagine how like unsafe and how uncomfortable she, she felt in that moment. And I really feel for her. So I hope that Jessica and Luke are able to have some sort of resolution and a conversation about this because she deserves it. If that's what she wants. Anyway. Um, yeah. Are we done for this week? We are. Thank you guys so much for listening. Thank me for speaking. If you guys want to give me a five-star review, you can do that. I wouldn't be mad about it. If you want to subscribe to my Patreon, wouldn't be mad about that either. So thank you guys. Love you. Bye.